Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to the Shackles Are Off podcast. This week's guest is a pretty cool guy, actually. Callum Flynn. He is the captain of the England Disabled Eleven. And I tell you what, if you think disability hinders your ability at cricket in any kind of way, shape or form, um, it definitely doesn't. He's probably in the top 99.9% of cricketers in the country. So there you go. Have it from me. He's a really nice guy. Looking forward to talking to him. Certainly not in the top 99.9% cricketers in the country are myself and Chris Millard um, with Somerset Seam Bowler Jack Brooks, who definitely is as well, by the way. That's not even up for discussion. Uh, Brooksy, first of all, um, (laughs) you watched Millard and I on a live stream playing cricket for the Barmy Army in the Fans World Cup um, event uh, last week. We loved it. It was actually one of the best days of the summer for me. It was great. It was so fun. But what did you think of watching us? Because it was a bit of role reversal. Yeah, mate, it was it was hilarious for one. But um, no, like, all bullshit aside, genuinely, pleasantly surprised, particularly with you, Greggy, who has talked yourself down that much. Um, <laughs> you bowled you bowled leg spin around the wicket and spun it and landed it. Like that's not an easy skill to master. To so say you're uh, you're not very good when you're bowling little leggies like that. And Millard, <laughs> Millard plays quite regularly. He can hold a bat and he knows where he's bowling it. And he doesn't he doesn't pick himself up or talk himself down. But yeah, you were um you were naughty little leggies, weren't you? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, pies get poles was the phrase that got shouted to me a few times from the boundary. But it was good fun. I really enjoyed, no, I really enjoyed it. It was um it looked like good fun at the uh, at the sixth event. I'm sure you two have got a few more stories than um, than me on it. Well, it was great, Chris, wasn't it? But Barbados were the were the champions representing kind of the West Indies. The way it worked, it was kind of fan groups and and stuff playing. And it was we were obviously playing for the Barmy Army team. I, I think we probably underestimated slightly, Chris, how seriously the other nations might take it. There was a rest of the world team. They had a couple of overseas pros taking part. Barbados uh, tourism board had sort of laid on a team and they were awesome. Bangladesh, I think it was genuinely Bangladesh's ODI team as well turned up. Um, they were in... well kitted out, weren't they? Very well kitted out. They were. Full green ODI point. kit. <laughs> there was one point in the game between the West Indies and ourselves where the um, the guest of honour of the day was Joel Garner and he was watching. He was probably on his fourth bottle of rum at this stage. It was quite late on, about 3pm. And um, I, I mean litre bottles as well. I'm not talking, as you'll hear on the podcast, um, which is to come. But he, at one point, got up and absolutely shouting, bellowing, because the umpire had just given a second front foot no ball to one of the... Um, Barbados bowlers for a questionable front foot no ball and Big Joel did not like that and the West Indies fans were up in arms but it's safe to say that we could have probably had 300 no balls and I don't think we'd have chased down the 89 they got in six overs. (laughs) 
It was a good day, though, wasn't it? It was a good day. We had a good, good fun. Fantastic day. A good fun. Um, and, and I mean, we did get one over on the Barat Army as well, which was nice because obviously India had just got one over on England at Lords a couple of days prior. That was a shame. Headingly to come, we'll have put this podcast out probably just as that uh, next test is starting. Um, and to be honest with you, I was so disappointed with Lords and so gutted for England. I've not actually looked at our tables yet for uh, run scorers and um, and wicket takers, but I was still going along really nicely because I'd had Rooty, so we're, we're happy. I but, think I think I'm out of it, so I wouldn't even be bothered about that anymore already. I think. Well, I've got Rooty at 600 runs, so <laughs> and he looks good for it. It looks great for it. He's right. going to piss that mate. He'll, he'll have that by the fourth test. <laughs> 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 I hope he does. I hope he does. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, Chris, you're there. Trumpet's back. Barmy Army's back. Be a good week, Lee. Yeah, very excited to be back. We've obviously had two tests, be it Trent Bridge and Lords. We've not had any trumpet action yet this series. And maybe it's a little boost England boys need to get them over the line. Got very close at Lords, but I'm hoping that Lee can be a really good test for them and they can bounce back and, and beat the Indians. I've got quite a good feeling about this test match. Um, the, the strength that has been added with Milan and a, a few of the familiar faces is nice to see and hopefully the boys can do it and do, do Rooty favour and, and help out a bit as well. The Western Terrace. That's where it's at, isn't it? It's uh, Headingly, it's, soon, it's like an afternoon fever. It's fairly timid in early doors and then it just there's like a little ripple, isn't there, from about 1pm. And it explodes. Filter, and then it just explodes as um, Stokesy showed us at the last test match at the place. So good. I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? There's still a bit of that good feeling hanging around from that Stokesy test match, isn't there? I think a lot of people actually are turning up going, all right, come on, we're going to see the same again. Um, we've um, we've actually got a standing trumpeter today, one, because Finchie is filming a, Bolly, uh, a Hollywood film at Abbey Road Studios. No. So he's been excused from duties for the day. And the trumpeter we have standing in is actually the trumpeter from Madness. Seriously? A test cricket fan. Yeah, so you'll you'll see him on your baggy trousers screens. All the baggy trousers. I wonder if he'll have baggy trousers on. Ask Welcome to the house of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded good in the Yorkshire accent, that Brooksy. It was good. <laughs> well done. I hope heading these a house of fun on uh, the next test match. Obviously, Lords, as disappointing as the result was, to have a test match going into the last day um, with all three results possible, and it ended up being a result which you'd think shouldn't have happened, really. Um, but fair play to India. They're, they're a decent team at the minute, aren't they? Yeah. Not off. Not bad, are they? Not. But it was good for test, good for test cricket as well. It was. Um, the Bumrah-Anderson stuff, Jimmy's given... He's been having a few words, Brooksy, about that, you were saying. I, I've not read this yeah. thing that he said, but... It's got a bit I spicy. Remember, yeah. I can't remember it word for word, but I saw something today that he'd spoken to someone in the press about for the first time in his career, feeling like the first time he felt a ball, it wasn't actually trying to get him out, but it was trying to rough him up a little bit. Um, you now, in 11 ball over with the no balls from Bumrah, if he's, if he's done that on purpose, it's obviously bang out of order or not you know, in the spirit of the game, is it? There's other ways to intimidate batsmen. Um, you don't really need to intimidate Jimmy that much anyway, do you? He's not exactly going to hang around all day. Um, but obviously, in, England didn't like it, and they um, obviously piped up and tried to make it hard for the Indians, and then the Indians came back even harder, third play to them. Um, so it'll make it pretty, potentially a pretty spicy rest of the series. It sets it up nicely. It sets it up nicely. We like a bit of spice, though. We like a bit of needle. Um, talking about Jimmy... He is sort of the theme for something that we're going to go at, Brooksy. So um, you've got a bit of cricket coming up. Um, end to the season, finishing with a flourish uh, with Somerset this year because actually it's, you know, the T20 competition is still going and, and you've been very much part of that this year. You've reinvented yourself as a white ball man. It's been been good to see. It's been good to, um, you know, struggled a bit with injury and stuff. Um, but you are... Um, you reckon one of the oldest county players um, still playing, but certainly nowhere near the oldest. And you're going to say... fine wine, but not the finest. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, think it's, um... I do like that, Chris. Very good. 
I've just been a bit more aware of my age over the last couple of years. I'm the I've been the oldest in the Somerset squad the last two years. Right. And you look around the circuit and you think, oh, I'm not that old compared to a few of them. And I sort of earlier this summer I tried sort of tossed up a little bit of what I could find of who was older than me on the circuit. And I reckon there's fifteen um fellas on the men's first class circuit who are older than me. Okay, right. Played, well we'll played this year. Played this year, um, and that's just any professional game. So T Twenty, List A, County Championship. Yeah, correct, mate. Um, which makes me feel a bit younger, to be honest. But a few of them have already retired, sort of mid-season. So. Oh right, okay, right. Well, this is this is good. Um, Chris and I, we might struggle for this a little bit. Mm. Um, and also, I feel a bit bad saying, "Is he older than you? Is he older than you?" Because if they, you know, if they're only like my age, we'll, we'll get mightily offended. Um, so that's uh, there we go. I'm, I'm trying to think. We'll start. I mean, Millard, you start us off with one, um, an obvious one, a, a Barmy Army legend, despite never having played for England. Yeah, I'm going to have to start off with um, Ricky Clark. <laughs> that wasn't the one you expected. No, it? it's not. Is Ricky Clark on there, <laughs> Brooksy? Pot- previous podcast guest. Sure, you've got to start with. The yes, mate. Guest. Yeah. Ricky is, um, I think he's like 39, 40, maybe. And yeah. He's obviously announced yeah. retirement, bless him. But yeah, he's um, he's definitely older than me. Yeah, yeah. He's a good man, <laughs> he though. Looks it. Good podcast that we did with him, by the way. If you've not heard it, go back and have a listen. Very funny man. Uh, Jimmy Anderson, um, yeah. obviously. Barry Stevens, obviously. Yeah, that's Legend. the one I thought you were going to say. I know, mate. Um, I know, mate. You love him. You love Darren Stevens. Um <laughs> Who else will there be? Sir Alistair Cook, is he older than you, Brooksy? No, mate, he's younger than me by about six months or so, I think. Um, oh, wow. I was going to say, I could give you a few clues. Let's um, let's get the obvious ones first. I reckon Luke Wright. Um, I don't think he's older than me either, to be honest. Oh. Yeah, he is. Just go with it. Ravi <laughs> Bapara? No, Ravi's younger than me. You are really old, aren't you? You are old, Brooksy. <laughs> Thanks. Cheers. James um, Hildreth. No, he's younger than me, although he looks a lot older than yeah, one of my teammates down at Somerset. Uh, How about a former England off spinner plays at Surrey? Gareth Batty. There we go. Greggy's off the mark. Go on the bats. Excellent. Um, another Surrey batter. One of these, at once upon a time, he's one of the world's best. He's an overseas player. Decent beard on him. Oh, Hashim uh, Amla. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, nice. Okay. Uh, what How many ba- we got? Um, we've got about five at the minute. Um, Dan Christian, is he still playing county cricket? I think Christian's older than me, but he's not played this summer because right. he's been Australia duty. But yeah, I think cool. he is, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's good. Captain Knotts to one day cup glory a few years ago. Um, How about a, um, a leg, leg spinner who likes celebrating his wickets? Imran to here. There we go. Nice, good. Very good. He's a legend, that um, How many have we got? Irish test bowler who's taken a five for a At Lords, no. Tim Murta. Yes. Very good. Very good. You're doing well here, Chris. A, um, a guy who's played for Holland, who plays for Essex. Oh, uh, Van der Merwe. Van der Merwe. No, he plays for Somerset down with me. Yeah, he does. So, uh, Ryan Tenderscarter. Tenderscarter. I couldn't think of his name. It was right on the tip of my tongue. Ryan Tenderscarter. Um, what about Chris Rushpeth at, at Durham? Is he older than you? No, he's, he's, he's younger than me, mate. There's a couple of Northerners. There's, um, there's one at Yorkshire, one of my old teammates. Tim Tim, he's now, he's no, now captain. Just bold, isn't he? Like captain of the four-day team. Uh, Pato. Steve Pato. 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 Love that. Um, what about um, what about um, Brezzy? Is he older than you, Brezzy? No, Brezzy's younger than me. Again, someone <laughs> serious mileage, but is you're younger than older me. than Tim Bresden. Are you serious? Know, he's, been ar- he's been around since the eighties, though, isn't he? So <laughs> that is ridiculous. That is that is absolutely. Bad. I mean, Brooks, you take this all in in confidence. By the way, you know, I can see that you're actually starting to look a little bit despondent here on this Zoom call that we've got going. But actually, you need to just take it as a compliment. You're so youthful. I've got a few grades, mate. I've got a few. I think it's because I'm not married and I don't have kids, so I've sort of clung on to my youth a little bit. Get your manscaped on it. Go on, go on, Millard. Come on, concentrate. I've got one, that, but I'm not sure if you might be... 
he might he might be a bit younger than you. It's um boycott. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's not played I'll this season, Chris. He don't count. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll run through. I'll run through the rest. Yeah, do it's it. Gareth, Gareth Berg, who's a Northampton seaman. Michael Hogan from Morgan seaman. He's over forty. Daryl Mitchell, opening batter at Worcester. Yeah. Peter Trigo, my former Somerset Trigo. teammate up at Knotts. Uh, Mitchell Claydon, the um, seamer who's just retired this summer. <sighs> and um, Wayne Madsen, the Derbyshire legend. Oh, I've played against him in the Mansfield League. Have you? <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Did you bowl at him, Chris? Um, no, I think I hid. <laughs> Somewhere on the boundary. <laughs> Brooksy, that was good. That was good. And to be fair, great. Well done, some illustrious names still going as well um, above you. I'd love you to get to one stage to get to the top of the list, the oldest player still playing. That's a big ask, mate. That is a big ask. Yeah, I mean, it's fair play. I mean, on a serious note, that's some serious effort, isn't it, from all those boys to still be going? Uh, yeah. Darren Stevens, like, I'm 37 now, and Darren Stevens is 45, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, 45, 46. And the fact he can still go, knowing what my body feels like now bowling day in, day out. I know he didn't bowl as much early in his career, but he's an absolute legend. And how his body, how he looks after his body must be, must be pretty Stevens has got a balmy army 50. When he was 19. And that's, a clay, that's a highlight of his long 45-year-long career, that one, isn't it? It's been rumoured that he said that. Well, <laughs> we need to get him on the pod, actually. We'll get him on at some point. Oh. Brooksy, that was a good quiz. Um, before we finish our intro and we get listening to Callum, Callum was great, wasn't he? And it was not really, let's be honest, not really an area or... or you know, discipline of cricket that I was really that interested or enlightened on before we spoke to Callum. But it was really good. It sounds like a really good thing, doesn't it? And um, in a country and time where there's not actually that many good things happening, I think the disability cricket is brilliant and it's much needed. So um, it was it was really nice, lad. And Brooksy, you'll know some of the leagues. So he's played Bradford League and he's played sort of Lancashire Prem and all this kind of stuff. He's a serious cricketer, like serious, serious cricketer, despite his disability. He's a proper good cricketer, and he's probably not. He may not even be the best player in the team. Like there's some very, very good cricketers in there. The Lords Taverners play against them every year, and I was asked to play for the Taverners this year against them, which they played a couple of weeks ago, because they were trying to bulk up the team. Because usually it's a team full of ex-pros or celebrities and stuff, but they needed a few current or some talented younger lads who could give them a good game because the disability side absolutely smashed them last year. And um, the game a couple of weeks ago, Steve Kirby was bowling the last over against the uh, the disability side. And was a, one of the lads with was one, with one arm was batting and just took curves down all over the shop. Unbelievable. So these guys are properly talented guys. They take it serious. They turn up and warm up and they just smash people for fun. And um, yeah, fair play to them. Love it. It was really good. It was really good, Chris. And actually, I... I think Chris, he, he, he'd got a bit of a pasting, hadn't he, on social media prior to us yeah. talking to him, and he spoke really brilliantly on that, and um, that was that was really good. Yeah, he was he was top Yeah, we, we saw that on social media, and uh, as the Barmy Army, we support the England cricket team, no matter which team it is, men's, women's, disability team, we always support the England cricket team, so we were very quick to support Callum when he was getting some absolutely shocking messages on social media that... Um, which you'll hear on the podcast, he turned into a positive and, and he's used it for, for good things. And, and we really wanted to get him on the show just to offer that voice and, and to a wider audience. And we think it's something that you'll all love to hear at home and you'll really enjoy this podcast. Yeah, I think so. Here, here to that. Before we do, anything else, lads? Anything else to chuck in? No, we've not missed anything. I, Chris, go on. I hope we come on this podcast having battered India in five days and really rough bummer <laughs> up. That's what I hope. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm going to reserve judgment. We, Like you just said, we support England. So I'm going to reserve judgment of what might happen. But we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Come on, England. Uh, cheers, Brooksy. Cheers, Chris. Um, and good luck in the quarterfinals to Somerset of the T20 Blast competition. Come on, Somerset. Go and get your slippers on, Brooksy, you old git. Ah, you must. <laughs> Uh, as ever remember to subscribe share and comment and get in touch with us and all that kind of stuff that would be much appreciated but let's get into it it's the Shackles Rock podcast with Callum Flynn
do this with all of our guests, but we're going to start as we do with everyone in the same place because I think it's, you know, why not? But actually yours is, it's a sad story, but it ends ultimately in happiness, doesn't it? But yours started with trampolining, bizarrely, your cricketing journey properly in, in the form that it's in now, didn't it? So just explain to our listeners why that was, why trampolining led to you ultimately being the England skipper. Yeah, so um, it was my 40th birthday, basically. Um, and I've got a hospital appointment. I've had a few problems for about 18 months on and off. Um, so I just thought it was like a relative checkup um, at the local children's hospital in Manchester. And then I got taken onto like a cancer ward, but it did nothing clicked in my head because I was just a 14 year old lad um, looking forward to getting home and having some sort of cake and opening some presents kind of thing. Um, and I got told that day I had bone cancer. Um, so yeah, it was like the worst worst thing you can ever hear as a kid or probably even an adult as well. Like when, when you're that young, you don't expect to be told anything like that. So that hit me hard, um, asking if I was going to die, etc. straight away. That's sort of the first first thought that comes to your head. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's like you say, the trampolining story. We had, um, it was a Thursday, and we had trampolining practice, and I was ready for, well, I was preparing for a school tournament, a school competition, which obviously I weren't allowed to do because it was the following week, and that's when I was starting chemotherapy. But I just went, ended up going to trampolining practice, even though the doctors didn't want me going, just because it was sort of, you know, I was just a young kid, sporty kid, and I just wanted to do it. As any, anything that sport offered up, like I wanted to, I wanted to give it a shot, um, and nothing was going to stop me going, going practicing um, with my mates, and yeah, that was sort of the last time I stepped on a trampoline. And I'm like you say, I'm kind of glad I did it now, yeah, um, because of like I said, because of the titanium knee replacement, I'm not allowed to play sort of contact sports, so I can't even play football or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so cricket was. Luckily, I, I was already involved in cricket and cricket was kind of the, the only sport that I could really go down in terms of what I played. So luckily, I, I weren't too bad at it. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to process that. You know, like 12 months kind of on from that, you're then playing cricket again. I mean, that's you must kind of look back at 14, 15-year-old Callum and think, well done, mate, you know, because that takes like serious kind of bollocks, really, to kind of put yourself in that position um, to go back to playing cricket. And like you said, you know, you had been playing cricket previously to that. Uh, just, I mean, what what went through your head? Can you remember? Like, I want to I want to go back to playing cricket because it's probably not something that you'd really thought about, or is it that you just missed it? What was it that took you back? Yeah, just it was. It was a sport that I always know wanted to play. So from 11, 12-year-old, I was trialling for Lancashire. And then that obviously got took away from me when when I got um, diagnosed with cancer. And I never thought I'd play again, to be honest. Um, and then returning the following season, playing with a runner all year, which was interesting, um, especially as a batter, as you know, you're relying on someone else to keep you in the game, really. Um, so that was interesting, but... It was just one of them things you got on with. You as a fourteen-year-old kid, and I, I knew nothing else other than putting my whites on, putting my spikes on, and, and going playing cricket. Really, um, and that's that's all I wanted to do. Sort of during during treatment, it was two thousand nine. So I think it was an it was an Ashes year that year. So mm-hmm. um, so I was always you know getting the cricket magazines and stuff like that into hospital, and everything was just cricket, cricket, cricket for me. So. Once I knew there was a chance that I could play, like I just took it straight away and, and nothing held me back. Like you're a young kid at 14, and like you say, you don't know anything else. If I was 17, 18, and I was getting a bit older and um, more adulting, then maybe it might have been a bit tougher. But because I was just 14, I just threw myself back into it. Yeah. And I probably shouldn't have done as much as what I did. So I had to have a my titanium knee replacement redone when I was 17 um, because I was getting some stress fractures and and they were saying like at then I thought oh, they might ask me to to kind of stop playing here but they haven't thankfully um, and ever since it's been perfectly fine but like who knows what my sort of um, mobility will be like when I'm 40, 50 years old you know I don't know what a titanium knee 
might look like back to, uh, later on in life. But for now, I'm just taking each day as it comes and just throw myself into cricket as much as I can still. I reckon sure. you'll be moving better than me, Callum. You're obviously going to be a, a huge inspiration to so many people, Callum, for the story and the, the way you talk about it. It's like water off a duck's back, which is really something that we, we want to share that message further afield. But was, was there any influence that you can remember, either from your parents or a, an idol you look up to and you thought, yeah, well, if they can do it, so can I? Can you recall back to a moment where that had an impact on you? Um, no, I never, I never sort of looked at like a celebrity or, or a figure that, that I looked up to really then. It was just sort of your standard sports people that you look up to. And it, it weren't because of a specific story. Obviously, being a Lancashire cricketer, it was obviously um, always flint off. Obviously, the one that you look up to instantly. So he was someone that I just looked up to as, as an everyday sort of hero. Um, but in terms of sort of getting through the the cancer and the tough journey. Um, cancer was like a big part of our family, unfortunately. I lost both my, my nanas to cancer, so I was kind of used to it, as awful as that sounds in the fam- mm. uh, in the in our family. So, like, that kind of language of talking about cancer and and what happens here, what happens there, chemotherapy, etc. I was used to it a little bit. Uh, obviously, I wasn't as a young kid, so it kind of took me away. But in terms of the family, I had that, I had that good family strength um, and all that support um, and motivation. I got that from my family, really, all my family and friends. So I didn't really look up to anyone in terms of specific, oh, they've been they've been through cancer and they beat it. Uh, it was more just your standard sporting heroes that I looked up to, really. You find a disability cricket team. And for many of our listeners, if you don't mind, Skipper, right, there's going to be a lot of people who think, what is a disability team? Because the England team, that you've got the visually impaired, you've got the deaf 11 as well, and you're learning disability. So what's a disability cricket team look like? What's it formed of? Is it just people with any kind of disability? You know, you, you, you tell our listeners about it. And also just, also, just take us back to you going into that kind of setup. Um, and you had immediate success, didn't you, pretty much straight away for lengths and that. So just try and explain that, you know, the initial going in and trying to work it all out and what it was all about and, and then your kind of initial success. Yeah, so was, for, for the first four groups that we have, so I'll start on I'll start on the actual disability team so the listeners can get some kind of understanding. So we have the physical disability side, which I'm um, part of. We have the learning disability side, um, like you say, the visually impaired and the deaf side. So each, each um, squad has some kind of profiling system. So as a physical disability side, you have um, a science and science medical physio lead um, that comes and runs like assessments on you, and you get you kind of get like a, a number or a category that you fall into. And it and it, in terms of like your movement and stuff like that. So I was obviously a lower limb. Uh, movement range sort of disability um, I, man, like I say man was 40 when I was 14 15 so I can't remember what what the actual name of my range was but you get like a wide range of disabilities so there's actually two two lads who suffered bone cancer um, in the squad so it's me and Jamie Goodwin he had exactly the same as me he came in a couple of years later which was a bit a bit a bit like surreal really because bone cancer was such a um, a disability a cancer that no one really knew of mm. Um, and then you've got you've got like Liam Thomas who's got like a blade, um, and he's our wicketkeeper. So he's like he's got a prosthetic leg, and he's a wicketkeeper. And like just seeing him keep, you, he keeps in the Bradford League, um, which is Jack probably shows certain might have played in there when he was younger or something. It's oh, it's yeah. like for the best standards around Yorkshire, and, yeah. and like it's a proper ECB Premier League, I believe. So it's Every, a really good standard. Everyone who plays in the Bradford League thinks it's the best league in the country. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I did two years there myself. They all, they all do say that. <laughs> um, but but you also get um, upper body um, disabilities. So you get your cerebral pauses. Um, you got Matt Askin, who's um, missing his, is his right hand. Yeah. No, it's his left. Left. So he's got um, half his arm, basically. 
and he bats with one arm. And it's like ridiculous just how he does it. Um, and then you've got the learning disability lads, which I think they have to prove some kind of um, medical form from the doctors, which gets them their qualification. And same with the deaf lads, they've got to provide like an audiogram, their most relevant audiogram to prove. Um, and then the visually impaired, I don't know how the visually impaired goes actually, but that's just a total different form of cricket, which is which is unbelievable. You see some of the videos and how they dive, throw themselves around to, to stop the ball. It's literally, it's crazy. But when I first got into it, I was a bit, I was a bit shocked and a bit taken back by, by the standard really. Like I say, I was 15, um, got taken down to a, a local club in Lancashire where there was training. And the first thing I seen was, was someone pushing himself up in a wheelchair, bowing leg spin. Wow. Um, and it was crazy because I think he's like a, he's a Paralympic weightlifter, uh, bodybuilder kind of guy. And it, 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 it was classed as not disabled enough, I, I believe, to, to actually um, go into the Olympics, which, which is a bit surreal. Wow. Um, but I think it was British, like, champ, uh, British like weightlifting champion and everything. So if he went into the Olympics, he would have, he would have been close to winning, winning something, which was really distraught for him. But then... It was, like you said, I was 14, 15, I was trialling for Lancashire. So at first, I was a bit took back by the standard um, and, and just how, how they, get, they get around their disabilities. I was just used to mine. I just cracked on with mine. And some of them really affect theirs. I, I'm lucky where it, I, it doesn't have a massive impairment on my movements, really. Um, like a, I, I run with a bit of a limp, um, and you can see that, but I'm still quite quick, uh, quite quick across the ground. But you see some of the guys, they need runners, they need um, help in the field, etc. So that is a different form of cricket. Um, but you just get used to it. And, and you look at the England PD team, and we took the standard to a whole new level in the past few years. And we got beat by India in 2019. And it was just, the standard was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, India have like, I think they had like 500, 600 people at their trials. Shut up, uh, seriously. And I, and I don't even, yeah, and I don't even think that covers the whole country at the minute because I think, I think there's a bit of, it's not under BCCI, um, it's not under their governing body basically. Mm. So they kind of got to work around that. So it's hard for for them to get all the players there, where we've got like twenty people to pick from. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're playing against like a whole five hundred people from India who are trying to get into their squad. And we're just trying to scrape together 15, 20. It's only going to grow, well, right, though, with the exposure and with the way things are going. It's, it all seems to be more apparent in the media, which is great. Yeah, it's like, as if we wanted to lose to one team, as weird as it sounds, it, we wanted to lose to India because mm -hmm. we knew they would be the country that could take it on to the next level with, yeah. like, with just with how much they love cricket over there. You know, yeah. I don't need to tell you guys what, what it's like for cricket in India. It's ridiculous, so... I think we was actually hoping to go over there. Um, 2019, once they won, they, I think they invited us over there. So I was, was looking to arrange a tour, but obviously with COVID, etc. I don't think that'll happen for a few years now. So that's uh, going under the ICC shame. though, is it? The World Cup stuff, Callum. Is that right? Yeah, so the IC, I don't think the ICC have bought into it fully. Um, yeah, they need to. Which is a bit, which is a bit crazy because we, we, we did a lot of our first tours. So we did... We did 2012, 2014, and 2016 um, at the ICC Academy, and they came out once just to watch us. And like they just, the headquarters is literally 15 minute, well, 15 yards, sorry, from the ground. It's ridiculous. Um, and they just, I mean, I don't want to say too much about the ICC. You know, that's their, that's their problem. <laughs> um, unfortunately, they're missing out on a product that that could definitely. Um, sell to a lot of people who, who love cricket and it could definitely make the game a bit more sort of for everyone as as we like to say mm. um so yeah that's, be that's something that they... much longer are they well they can't no, hopefully not they can't hopefully not uh, especially with, like you say the the big teams like india getting involved um india have so they went the ecb went over with the vi the visual impaired squad um, and they had ten, they had ten thousand people watching the uh, India, India final, and it was ridiculous. It's like, Brilliant. 
just the fans, they get over there. It's like, like you say, you can, hopefully soon enough they can't ignore it and they have to buy into some kind of um, international structure for us, which would be absolutely perfect for us. What was you it know, like you guys that... playing India, Callum? Was it getting tastier? They got a few gobby players or was it all quite friendly and respectful? Uh, Afghanistan was worse. Really? Afghanistan was, uh, yeah, Afghanistan was really feisty. Um, there was proper in your face, which is what we liked. Um, <laughs> you were brought up in the Bradford League, so you know all about that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, we enjoyed it. Um, so there's a, couple of, there's a couple of Manchester lads and a couple of Yorkshire lads getting right involved. Um, but yeah, Afghanistan was probably the most um, aggressive team and there was a bit sly with some of the tactics. So these are the things that go on in the disability cricket thing. So we have... I was playing Pakistan once and one of their batters wanted a runner, which was fair enough. We allowed him one. And then it comes to them bowling, he's running enough 30 yards. And we're like, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, are you running enough 30 yards and you can't run 22 yards for a single? Like, it's a bit ridiculous. Saving himself. Um, <laughs> so it's little things like that. Uh, but you just got to laugh at disability cricket. You just got to take them things on the chin. And, and that's where hopefully the ICC come involved. You can tighten up the structure a little bit and the profiling and the and the elements of um, what is a disability and what isn't, I suppose. How have you found the professionalism then? Because I'm just looking, you know, your five-team World Cup, um, your first World Cup that you played, actually, when you won player and batter of the series. So I'd throw that one in there so you don't have to. And, <laughs> um, and you've absolutely smashed it. But, I mean, how was the professional sort of set up for that? Because if there's no ICC involved, it kind of begs the question, you know, where are the team hotels and the gala dinners and all that kind of stuff to open the tournament? Was that was that kind of thing all there or or did you find that um, it was kind of a bit, little bit, you know, for a better word, tin pot? You know, how, how did you find that? So the the first few that we had was just between us and Pakistan. So say we, we go back to two, 2012 and 2014, it was based at the ICC Academy in Dubai, which, you know, when you go, you get looked after like your actual you know, you're rightly there. The, no matter who you are walking through them gates, they look after you and it's amazing. Um, and they treat you like full-time professionals over there. Um, the nets, the facilities, you know, just the hotels over there as well. It's it's really good. And then going on to the 2015 in Bangladesh, we, that was a bit of a, um, a surreal two weeks in terms of, we was based at some kind of, I think it was like some kind of school college campus in Dhaka. Right. Um, it was called the BKSP. Um, and it's basically a hostel we're staying in. Um, we've got there at like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, pitch black, uh, no lights, um, staying on the top floor, got to carry our bags up, no lift. Um, and we was all on the bottom floor. Um, a lad who we call Scouts, obviously, you can probably assume where he's from. Um, he needed a toilet, so he's gone round the corner. Oh, where's the toilet? And they showed him. And it's just a hole in the floor. And like, he's, he's just, you know, we're just like, oh no, you know. And it's just surreal, like the sort of accommodation we got there, but it brought us closer together. And I think without something like that, as weird as it sounds, I don't think we would have won the tournament because we lost our first game and we had to win every game then. Um, and the only entertainment you can find was, was just being together and, and just enjoying each other's company. Yeah. So it was constant living in each other's pockets and the togetherness at the end of that tour was was surreal. Yeah. Um, and that was probably that was that was where the turning point that that was probably the turning point for in terms of how professional it started to get. Um we went back to Dubai in twenty sixteen again. We played the final the um Dubai um stadium, the main one. So that was really good. And then twenty eighteen and nineteen we played it over here which was our first sort of um, tri-series and world series over here. And it's the first time we've hosted any other PD team. And Ian Martin, who's the head of disability cricket at the ECB, you know, when he puts on a show, he really wants to put it on spectacular. Um, and the ECB, you know, the amount of investment and support they give us, you know, is really professional. And that showed in, in terms of the coaching appointments that they made for us. So we had Ian Salisbury who was... Uh, named as the head coach and we had James Kirtley as our assistant nice um, l- luckily uh, Sal's kind of brought Kurtz in as, as a close friend so we had that kind of um, 
yeah, we, we got lucky with that one. Brilliant, um, But, yeah, it really, it really turned, and, you know, we're so thankful for them to, you know, big names in terms of English cricket, mm. um, to give us their, their time and effort into, at the end of the day, 15 amateur disability lads who, who just play for England on, you know, for 30, 30, 36 days a year, probably. Mm. Um, you know, we don't get paid, we don't get... Um, anything for doing it we just we just enjoy it and for them to give us their time when they could probably go and coach at some kind of county uh, county team county setup or maybe just even a private school we really appreciated that and we appreciated the support of the ecb to to sort of push for them kind of appointments yeah that's, and that's awesome. when it started to get more professional um and that's yeah. when you get your physiology your, your strength and conditioning coaches etc etc yeah. So yeah it was really good I was going to look. I'm going to ask you about Hugo Hammond shortly, and uh, fans of Love Island will be. Uh, I mean, I've got to. I've got to. Haven't I? I'm sorry. It started. I've got to ask you, Callum. But we'll, 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 I'll ask you about that in a minute because to finish, because there is kind of a serious point there as well with with that. Um, but there's there's sort of a, also something a bit more serious that I do want to just touch on. We have to touch on it because you've sort of turned this into a tremendous positive, which is absolute credit to you. But you know, for all the sort of opportunity and things going brilliantly in terms of you know like you just mentioned with Salisbury and, and Kirtley and the strength and conditioning coaches and people yeah. sort of waking up a little bit you, you know you've seen, you've had some pretty shitty things said to you on on social media with the kit around the kit launch and that kind of stuff and um you know it, it was kind of a different level you'll have had shitty things said to you your whole life you know a lot of people have with disabilities and that is wrong in itself but when it's kind of in the national consciousness it's um, it's a it's a different level, isn't it? It's a step up, and you you probably found that I'm guessing pretty difficult to deal with. But you know, have you come out the right side of that now? I think a lot of people sort of saw that sort of blow up on Twitter and stuff, and and saw how the ECB handled it and and stuff. Have you managed to come out the right side of that now, mate? Because I think a lot of people will yeah. want to know about that. Yeah, it was tough. Um, like you say, I've never had that kind of um, publicity like everyone's eyes on, on me just for to looking at that kind of picture just to see what the kit is and the judging everything else as well. Um, so I've never had that. I've had the other article go on the ECB pages and et cetera, but, but it was nothing in terms of that um, volume, really. So, yeah, it was a bit of a crappy one. Um, but like normally I'm used to, like you say, normally you're used to the odd comment here and there, um, but it was just a volume of them. It really, it really shook on me. So I was... Twitter and Instagram was going off all day and they're seeing the post on, on Facebook and they're seeing the hundreds of comments and I was just like so I just spoke to the ECB and thankfully they took it down they was they was excellent in terms of pouncing on it as soon as they could um, and getting some kind of message out so I can't thank the ECB enough um, but when you go through something that, like I've been through and some of the other disability lads have been through you know you get you, you just deal with them things a little bit like you, normally it wouldn't affect me normally I'd just be like it is what it is that's just that's just life these days unfortunately but like I say it was just a volume of them I think mm. uh, it just really got to me that day and like you say the ECB have been fantastic hopefully there's been some there's been some positive things um, that have come off it yeah. really like being able to appear on on the podcast there um, talking about disability cricket you know, the odd, the odd report in the cricketer and, and other various cricket um, media outlets. So so there has been some positives which which has, has come from it. So, you know, every every bad sort of story trying to turn positive and, and hopefully we're doing that a little bit. You have done a fantastic job in doing that as well. You're just displaying how much of a good ambassador for the game you are. And it's really, really refreshing to see that um, the way you have managed to spin it to positive and, and the ECB have done that as well. And quite right. But... One question I've got for you, Callum, is to the young lad sat at home that might have a disability, um, what what one piece of advice would you give to them to, to keep going and to chase the dream of playing for England or doing whatever they want to do? What what could you give to them? Um, this, everyone says like the, the old never give up line. Um, and you you will find sort of times where, where you do give up. Um, I give up plenty of times during my chemotherapy journey and stuff like that but then then you just um, you know you're down for a day or two you have a look back and then you just reflect and then you just kind of get back on the get back on the saddle as they call it and you just you go again um, so I think I think like 
I like to talk about like I'm a coach as well, and I like to talk about failure and stuff, and and not being afraid of uh, being afraid of failing, because I think there's there's this um, yeah. bad little. I think everyone thinks failure is a bad a bad thing and a bad word. When I look try and look at it as a positive, where if I go into a training session, I want to try and push myself onto the onto the borders of failing, so I know that there's something there to improve on in a way. Um, so for for disability people out there who who just want to give some kind of sport a go, like you say, I just just jump on the saddle and just just give it a crack. Even if you fall at the first hurdle, you can then reflect on it and see what you need to do to get over that hurdle, and then and then um, attack the next one. Um, so yeah, just look at it as a positive, and then always just try and reflect and and see what you can do better, really, as a as a sportsman as a person. Such a great message. Well, I just love your positivity, mate. You're obviously a very strong, brave, resilient man with what you've been through. Um, but just how positive and how you, you talk about cricket and just, just having a laugh with your mates. So you're just playing it for the pure passion of it. And that's why I play. That's why Chris and Greggy love the game as well. They just love being around their mates and hanging out. And cricket's a great game for bringing people together, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, yeah, no, all the best, mate. Thanks very much for... For coming on with the boys it's been fantastic Cheers, I appreciate story it. and um we'll give a bit a lot more exposure to, to disability cricket well talking i mean talking of exposure and i know i'm joking about it and callum you'll be absolutely in fact actually it's only half an hour as we record this until you'll be flicking itv2 on isn't it <laughs> because you <know. laughs> yeah so so for um, those so for those listeners who aren't initiated i best explain actually so hugo hammond who plays with you boys doesn't he um who's got a cracking well yeah yeah, so he's not played for three years actually. Oh, is he uh, not? Right, okay. No, so he's not actually been in the squad now since I think it's 2018. Okay. Um, I think that's when he officially um, left the squad. Um, so, but like we're still kind of in touch with Hugo a little bit. Every now and again, we see him on the socials, and uh, we come across him. Um, some of the lads still speak to him. So some of his friends and uh, and stuff are still in the squad. So like you say, we're always in some kind of um, touch, whether that's on social media or physical presence around him. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting to see him on there. It was been a, it was a bit surreal to when 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 we found out that he was actually going on. It's a bit weird that you, you you know you someone so close to you in terms of someone that you played with, etc., or just being your friends friends with that's going on a show like that it's, it's madness i mean i'm not saying that you know going a bloke who's not played for three years is you know going on love island is going to all of a sudden get ten thousand people through the gates to watch you boys but there is a serious point around it in the sense that you know he he has got a disability himself and he's been kind of watched by millions every single week on the telly, you know, hopefully giving a decent account of himself and also just entertaining a few people because, let's be honest, that's what that programme's all about. But that's yeah. that's ultimately what you guys want to do, isn't it? Just kind of be in that sort of public space of entertaining and people not really giving a hoot whether you've got a disability or not. And that's kind of the level which you hopefully will be getting to in, in the near future. Yeah, and like you say, it's, you know, I think, I think Hugo's the first sort of disabled participant on the actual programme, so it'll be nice for him to do, hopefully, highlight that at some stage and, and hopefully he can talk about his story and, and journey on, on the programme, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll somehow slip it in that he's played for England before to one of the girls. You better, you've got to drop what you can on that show. Of course you well, do. Like, I think my, I think why you guys tweeted, didn't you, saying uh, he's actually a keeper, so hopefully he, he, um, he slips the, <laughs> the old wicket-keeper and I'm actually a keeper kind of um, line in there. That'll be great. But Hugo's definitely someone who will throw something like that in there. But, yeah, like you say, it's just for someone with a disability to, to hopefully just go on there, um, show his story off a little bit, have a bit of fun and then for us guys it's like I say we're kind of the same we you know we've all got disabilities and we're just trying to have fun and just show our stories off and show ourselves off the best way possible really awesome Callum it's an absolute pleasure mate really good of you to come on and love talking to you and um, when you know what have you got coming up is it busy summer when, when can people next uh, watch you in action yeah, so it's a fairly quiet summer just because of everything with COVID yeah. going on. Um, I think we've got um, a bit of Disability Celebration Day 
I'm pretty certain uh, Worcestershire New Road are hosting. Um, so that'll be good fun, which is, I think that's the 8th of August. Um, I think we play the Lord Taverners um, around August as well. And then I think we've got some some kind of fun event coming up in in September, which I don't think I'm allowed to say anything about yet. Um, <laughs> so I'll keep, I'll keep my mouth quiet about that one. But hopefully that that kind of um, this kind of event that we're doing expands the the disability profile um, in terms of disability cricket and stuff. Um, so hopefully that'll be that'll be a good bit of fun for us. Um, Lord, end the year off well. Laws Taverners game would be great to get to. I've been asked if I can get to that one. So I'm an ambassador for Laws Tavs. Yeah, we, well, we played them. That was our only game last year, actually. Um, and it was really nice because the Lord Taverners do so much for for just disability kids, never mind disability cricketers, but just, just the disability kids in, in the UK. They do so much for them. Um, so it was nice for us to kind of play them and, and put some kind of charity day on with them um, just to kind of say thank you because they're at kind of first stepping stone onto the disability cricket pathway. So so it was really good to link up with them. Um so that'll be that'll be enjoyable again this summer. Well if happening in September, mate. What's this event? Yeah, come on, you've got to give us a Barmy Army exclusive. He's probably sworn to secrecy and we're gonna wind him up. I can't I might, might get told off by the um, the disability ads at the ECB. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah it should be some some kind of fun tournament hopefully. Um so yeah, it should be. Um, it's definitely a good opportunity for for the disability um, profile in, in in England. So fingers crossed it all goes well. Callum, yeah, absolute pleasure, mate. Pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it a lot. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to talk to you again soon. And get feel free to, if any of the other boys fancy uh, coming on, give them a nudge. We'd love to yeah, hear from yeah, them. Definitely. Top yeah, stuff. Uh, thanks for having me again, boys. I really appreciate it. No, top man. No, really. Yeah, really you're on though. We'll, um, really we'll good make sure to talk by, to the, by the phones for your pal as well. Who's on at nine o'clock. <laughs> 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 See how he does in 20 minutes, time. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers then, bud. Take it easy. Cheers. Thank you. Take care, bud. Podcast Network.